0: Good morning and welcome to Rural Queensland today on the Resonate Broadcast Network. Ben Dobbin with you this morning. It's Monday morning and I hope you all enjoyed the weekend, uh, the 26th of February. A very good morning to everybody listening to us through 4SB and Kingaroy, 4ZR and Roma, 4VL in Charleville, 4HI and Emerald, 4LM Mount Isa, 4LG Longridge, 4GC Charters Towers and the Hot Country Network. Good morning to you. A huge show for you this morning. We have so much going on. Uh, Gavin Baskett will join us, the Winton Mayor. We'll also talk with David Littleproud very shortly. John Walters from Rural Aid, and off the back of the Woolworths uh, CEO getting absolutely pushed out, resigned, sacked, we'll talk with a professor on what Woolworths can do to try and rectify their brand. It's a big show for you. It's rural Queensland today. You can go to the Resonate Broadcast Network anytime you like. Rural Queensland today. Um, on Spotify, our Facebook page, and ben.dobbin at ruralqldtoday.com.au. A very good morning to everybody. Let's get into it. Rural Queensland today on the Resonate Broadcast Network. David Littleproud joins us next. Welcome back to Rural Queensland today. The member for Maranoa joins me this morning and leader of the National Party. Um, and boy, oh boy, is there some headaches in Canberra at the moment. David Littleproud, good morning. Thanks so much for being with us.
1: Yeah,
0: thanks for having me, mate. Um, Look, when we sit back in our seats and and you're in the seat of Maranoa and you, you, you get around your people and you understand and you listen, you hear so many things that happen. But border security and biosecurity are two things that we have always wanted and needed. And the LNP, along with the National Party, did a phenomenal job over many, many years of protecting our borders. But things have gone to the wreck and ruin. Um, this week in and over the last couple of weeks there's been so much talk about that arrivals illegal arrivals biosecurity risks they want to tax us the ratepayer to try and get something now Murray, what backflip but boy oh boy haven't the boats is a scary situation and one that we should not take for granted this government at the moment is rafferty's rules
1: yeah, mate, look, uh, the primary responsibility of any government is to keep its people safe. And this government has no idea. And let me tell you, the boat arrivals uh, is a new business model of the people smokers. What they've done is they're simply dropping them off and going back and getting ready to do another run. And the reason the boats have started, it's because of the 149 detainees that this government let out. In fact, they only had to let one out because that's what the High Court said. Uh, But the High Court also gave them, as far back as June last year, a very big heads up in a preliminary findings hearing that uh, the High Court was likely to say that the Minister couldn't uh, order people into detention. It had to be a court uh, because it was unconstitutional. Uh, The Minister had briefings from the Solicitor General uh, two or three times, but unfortunately didn't bother to turn up to them. He let his staff uh, take those briefings about what could be done in terms of preventative measures, uh, that legislation could be brought in to keep these people uh, in court, uh, in detention, I should say, uh, once the High Court decision came down. But instead of being at these uh, at these meetings, very important meetings and keeping you safe, uh, the immigration minister was off uh, campaigning for the Yes case. Uh, he was out running around trying to to drum up support for the failed four hundred and fifty million dollar referendum of oh, Anthony Albanese, God. and so he missed the opportunity. Uh, to bring in uh, and to have legislation ready for when that high court decision came. And he could have uh, simply released one and then tracked that one person. Instead, he let out 149. And there's over 30 of them, uh, That uh, seven of which are uh, convicted murderers. Uh, 30 of them. Uh, Why, would Why would he do this? Why uh, would he like, do this? I
0: mean, this is the thing that he, this is on his hands. He can say what he wants. And he can blame, and he can. These are the facts. It's
1: it is it's, it's pure competence. It's 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 about the fact that he does not have the competence to be the minister, but the buck stops with the prime minister because those those same briefings that immigration uh, minister staff turned up to, the prime minister's office also would have been part of that. That's how our system works. Is the prime minister's office is always aware of of briefings uh, that departments give their ministers, so that the prime minister also knows. So the Prime Minister was also too, too focused on his failed referendum that they didn't see the warning signs and didn't bring into legislation. And when they did bring the initial legislation in, they didn't even plan to track these people. So they let out 149 of which 37 were hardcore criminals convicted of crimes that, that are in our society hideous. Uh, and in fact, they weren't even going to track them. We had to amend their own legislation to say, you might want to keep an eye on these people, when you let them out, because if you lose sight of them and they do something, then we're in trouble. And in fact, I think it's 12 have re-offended since they were let, let out. Uh, they've been caught by state police and actually charged and taken back to detention because they broke their their orders. Uh, so these people are not good people. Mm. And the fact that, that this government has just been asleep at the wheel, what that did is send a big signal to the people smugglers. They, so they're just looking for any angle. And the angle that they came up with was this government, you'll go into detention and now the high court's made this decision. The government's going to let you out. You'll get in, you'll get put into jail uh, for a little while and then they're going to have to let you out. Uh, And this is what's opened up the business model. This is why now there's a a drop and run model by the people smugglers, drop them off, uh, let them uh, negate the the coast and the lizards up there and and, uh, hope they don't get chewed up, but you're on your own after that. And that's, that's what this government has done. And that's, unfortunately, means that we're all vulnerable because the people that are coming, we don't know who they are uh, and they open up a great vulnerability to our yeah. nation's security and our people's security.
0: It, it, it's, beyond, it's beyond scary. It really is. Uh, look, we, we, we're back in our state and youth crime is at the forefront um, and we've seen the, the police commissioner here of this state resign But the incompetence of the Labor government from a state level, as you as a Queenslander, you obviously work federally, but you can see at hand here what's going on in this state. Um, And there is one option, and that is to boot them out in October. I mean, we've never seen a a report came out in Queensland that 58% of people in regional Queensland fear for their safety. I I mean, I I just am in disbelief at that. I mean, where have we gone from a state that's so proud and united to a state that's gripped with fear. And, David, it it, it happens in your electorate. It happens where I live. It it is just harrowing what is going on with the youth crime issues.
1: Yeah, and look, this government's been asleep at the wheel. They've lost control of our health system and they've lost control of our streets. Uh, And this is where I think feel sorry for the the police commissioner who's who's resigning well mark ryan uh, needs to I, go I think Mark Ryan. Well, she, seen, she's been, going yeah. so should the minister i mean that that's that's the bottom line she can't be the full guy for the incompetence of a minister when she actually put forward cogent solutions about how to deal with this juvenile crime issue i think there's a big challenge beyond just tracking them i don't think they fear and you know, we're all talking about mandatory detention. I think we should have mandatory detention, but they don't actually fear the current detention regime because they go in there, they play touch football during the day and they play computer games at night. I think we need to reopen outback camps. We don't need to put barbed wire up, take them out, a couple of hundred k's west of Longreach, uh, put them on a property uh, as we did before in the Newman era um, and educate and give them a purpose. Uh, and if they want to break out, give them a billy of water and just explain to them there's a few hundred k's to walk in there uh, and there's a few King Browns and a couple of wild dogs that they might want to consider before they rush out and make a run for town. So you don't need fences, but you need to give these people a purpose. When they get up in the morning, there's a purpose to their life. Uh, and I think we need to go back to this uh, and we need to do we need to do detentions uh, differently. And we've got to stop listening. Stop listening to these child psychologists and, and criminologists. We have hit a tipping point where, where Queenslanders do not feel safe. And the gratuitous advice that they have given us and about how we deal with these these juveniles hasn't worked. And we have hit the tipping point where the greater good of society is above that of the individual. And they should be put back in their box. And we go back to some old ways about how we educate. And we also make sure that we all understand that as parents, we can't actually abrogate our responsibility to the state all the time. We've got a responsibility to, to bring respect into our households, and for the institutions that protect us, like the police, and make sure that we instil that in our children as parents. And that's our primary responsibility. But where where there aren't parents, and we need to make sure there's a, an environment for those kids to have that understanding. But when you breach that, that there are real consequences, not consequences of going away and, and having a time with your mates. It goes away to get a skill yeah, and time. to get a trade and to actually get a purpose in life, to get up in the morning and know you're going to contribute to this community and our society and not take from it. And, you know, I think it's time to tell these criminologists and child psychologists to take a running jump because we've hit the tipping point where Queenslanders don't feel safe. Oh, they don't. No question.
0: David, quickly, um, the National Health and Medical Research Council, I mean, this (laughs) to me... This is the end of the end, and I, I hate we, we, I hate ringing you when there's just negatives, but the fact is that we've always thought that they were going to go along this line, but to use red meat as a tool, and scientists, to say that, that if you use alternatives other than red meat, like chicken or, or potentially pork, alternative flavours, they're talking plant-based, that that will lower the carbon footprint, and this is going to be part of the dietary recommendations. Oh, I, I don't know how this gets stopped. I, I, this year is the most dangerous. I, I couldn't believe it when it came out. We've spoken to Mark Davey. We've obviously talked about this at length. Are you concerned that this is where they're going? It's a bit like the Great Barrier Reef and the coral damage. You know, Peter Reid says completely different to the scientists from UNESCO that they've decided to jump onto.
1: Yeah, look, and this is the dangerous thing about what these medical professionals are trying to do they are actually eroding the currency of the advice that they are giving. They should stick to their knitting. Their knitting is about dietary and, and medical and health, not about the environment. They're not expertise. And I know there's a fair few in the medical profession that have this God complex that they know everything on every, on every issue. But on this, they should stick to their knitting. Their knitting is about what should be in a balanced diet. And red meat should be in a balanced diet. And to deviate from that, And to say, because they know best about the environment, they are medical professionals. They are not environmental professionals, and they are not people who know how to produce beef or lamb, and they should stick to what they know. And this is where you need leadership, and you need the Prime Minister to step in and say, all you will do is erode the actual medical advice that this body is meant to give that should be trusted, predicated on health, not on sustainability. And I'd put our sustainability against anyone else in the world, but this actually is very dangerous and these medical professionals need to pull their head in and get rid of this God complex that they have and stick to what their actual job is to give us advice about what is the best diet and the best diet will always have red meat in it and if they continue down this path, it will actually cause more damage in our health system oh. than actually good. And this is where the Prime Minister needs to either say, well, disband this body altogether, or they get back to what their purpose is.
0: I can't believe that he'd allow this, <clears throat> and, and he hides behind this, David. That's the, 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 the fraction that, and the area that I I struggle with, that Albanese allows this garbage to continue. Now, in, in, all, in anyone's language, this should never happen, ever.
1: No, and, and look, I would just be ignoring it. If they, if they come out with this, uh, we should be ignoring their advice. And that's the dangerous thing is that they are not they are not predicating their advice on medical on medical grounds and health grounds rather than on ideological grounds predicated on the environment. The environment um, will, be, will be sustainable if you allow the farmers to do their job. Uh, their profit and loss is intrinsically tied to the health of their land. Uh, And I can tell you, they're looking after that. You just look after making sure that the science that you actually understand, which is medical science, is what you stick to. Yeah,
0: well said. Appreciate your time this morning. Thanks so much for being with us.
1: Thanks for having me, mate. Good on
0: you. Member for Maranoa, David Littleproud. We'll take a break, come back with more. Rural Queensland today on the Resonate Broadcast Network. Uh, Winton Shire Mayor is Gavin Basket. He joins us this morning on Rural Queensland today. Good morning, mate. How are you?
2: Good, Dobbo. How are you going, mate? Really
0: well. Um, really well. Uh, obviously, we spoke a couple of weeks ago and there were some concerns around uh, the properties that have been purchased and the way and the alleged properties that they have so it is believed that the government have bought and whether or not they're for the wildlife corridor trails or to to increase national parks, that's regardless. But it's taking prime agricultural land and and also the opal mining business putting it at risk in your area. Now, tomorrow, you actually might have some progress in such.
2: Yes, mate. So with our um, rapid meeting, which is the seven councils in our area, we are having a meeting and we've got Minister Linnard coming along and her department to discuss these issues. So, like you've highlighted, the concerns about the apple industry in our shire is a big issue and also in the other neighbouring shires where these properties are, um, concerns by the neighbouring landholders to do with um, management of um, pests and looking after the land and and shared facilities that they've got there at the moment and um, loss of income to the shires through their rates and that so there's several issues that we'll be raising with the minister and her um, department to try and get some clarity going forward so are you concerned
0: of the long-term effects that this is going to have on your community that's the big thing i'm worried about for you
2: oh definitely mate like there's the the stuff that you can put your uh, finger on pretty easily of like losing people off these property losing income off these properties of Stock um, people that work and live there. The chopping in the towns, the transport industry—they'll all be affected. The neighbours will definitely be affected. There's never been a national park out in this country been established that doesn't have an effect on the neighbours. Like Bladensburg was uh, bought nearly 40 years ago now. Through that through that period, and they, there was nine properties around there. that used to be all in sheep. None of them are in sheep now because of the lack of management of the, the pests on these properties. And this and this will occur on the other ones. So that's a big concern. But one of our massive concerns is the um, opal industry. Down there in that area, like we've got the opal, and it has the uh, best production fields in the world of boulder opal, which is our national gemstone, and gets sold all around the world. And um, we did get some correspondence from the minister the other day saying that um, in down Tonkaroo, existing mines will be allowed to stay there, but that's no um, future for the industry, because once the existing ones are finished, no more will be allowed in there. And, Opelden, which has been there for almost 140 years wow. and is a great economic driver in our economy, potentially could be shut down in the next five years, which is very disturbing.
0: It's more than disturbing. Um, it, if they give the licences and, you know, it's also how they manage it from a fire hazard perspective as well. Like, there's got to be some management of this country because if it just goes to rack and ruin with feral animals and and with grass out of control when there is a lightning strike, it could just not take out the national park. It takes out a lot of community properties as well and a lot of a lot of business gets taken out. I, I, I get concerned by the management of these. Are these the questions you've got to ask?
2: That, that is almost the number one question. Like, my, my main priority is the apple industry, then the graziers around, but in the other shires like uh, Longage and barku their major concern is the um, neighbouring graziers. And that's one thing we'll want to know. There's been 192 million... Put in there for the next four years for purchase of these protected land. How much money has been put away for the whole of life's cost and to have sufficient uh, ranges running these places and land management so it doesn't affect the neighbours and, and makes it difficult for them to run their business? It's tough enough on the land to live without the government buying land and putting more more pressure on the neighbours.
0: Yeah, you're dead right. Now, mate, you got up in the chopper the other day and you've had a bit of a look around. What is the country looking like after the devastation of that flood water?
2: Oh, it's a double-edged sword. Dom. Like The country looks uh, phenomenal. I went down like along the Diamantina and headed over into that middle and co- country where there was um, up to 18 inches in 24 hours and 26 inches over about three or four days and the country is just unbelievable how green it is and the amount of water it's got. But the other side is the um, devastation. The amount of fencing and infrastructure lost through that area is phenomenal. Like, this country's not built for uh, that much rain, and there's sections there I was flying around looking at where there's, like, 4K stretch of fence that's gone and, and double any other damage that's ever been caused to the fencing. And it's not... Like, sometimes the fencing just lays down and you can shake the debris off and stand it up, but there's a lot of areas where the fencing's either gone or two or three hundred metres down the channel, wrapped around fences, and so it's going to be a uh, a massive impost for those grazes in that area of rebuilding hundreds and hundreds of kilometres of fencing. Out there doing it, it's uh, been hot, humid weather, but they're starting on the boundary fences, get all those up, and then start working through internally.
0: Can we get some funding for it? Is there going to be some relief for people who are obviously had that devastation?
2: Well, mate, they just announced uh, a couple weeks ago the, um, restocking and on-farm infrastructure grant of $150,000, uh, 50-50. So, like, the graziers can access up to one hundred and fifty, as long as they put in up to one hundred and fifty. And this was for those uh, events last year, like when you and Danji in the Boyer Shire got flooded and up in the Burke, uh, Shire, there was Burke and that had their massive floods and that's fantastic. And, um, we actually would like to get that extended to us. I've so got the, um, of QRA, Jake Elwood, coming out uh, in April to have some meetings and uh, Minister Boyd, the emergency minister, I was talking to her and she's keen to get out here as well and uh, we just need to get this extended for our area because talking to some graziers there, they've got a couple of properties, they're up to half a million dollars for fencing and um, fixing of their dams and their other infrastructure as well.
0: Yeah, quite unbelievable, quite unbelievable. Way Out West Festival, not far away mate, you must be looking forward to that, that's exciting and like With the PBR bull ride, things are starting to take place in the town. It's starting to change.
2: Mate, yeah, no, it's going to be another great weekend. Last year was the first time we trolled that, and it was fantastic. They had some great bulls and some great riders, and uh, the bulls actually won, I think, over the 70-odd rides. there was lucky to be a dozen that rode, so the bulls uh, they had the victory that weekend, but we had a massive crowd there, and then the uh, motorbikes and the entertainment, and we've got the... Um, Screaming Jets and Amber Lawrence and them coming this year. So, uh, yeah, mate, looking, really looking forward to that in the um, middle weekend of the Easter school holidays.
0: It's so important. It almost kick the tourism year, isn't it? Like, you know, with, and, and with what you've got, it starts to cool down. Um, there will be, you know, so many things to factor in after it does dry out and the grass grows. I mean, you get hoppers and um, there's always the next challenge out there. But um, things start to cool down a fraction.
2: Mate, you yeah, know, we did the first way at West, West back in 2018 for the um, reopening of the Walsh Matilda Centre after burnt down. And it was just so good for our, our businesses that we've kept it going from then. And it really kicks off the tourist season. That's that trying to extend those shoulder season. And you get a couple of thousand people out here for the weekend. The businesses love it. And even the communities they travel through um, love it. So we've worked really hard to keep it going. And Next year is 150 years of Winton, so we've started planning for a, a massive event um, next year, not only for the way at Westfest, but through the whole year.
0: Uh, it, it's going to be a huge year next year. Gavin Basket Wintonshire, I appreciate it. I hope the meetings go well tomorrow. I really do. It's um, an important part of what is going on at this present moment. Thanks so much for your time.
2: Thanks, Bobo. See you, mate.
0: Good on you. We'll take a break, come back with more. This is Rural Queensland Today. Welcome back to Rural Queensland today on the Resonate Broadcast Network. I'm uh, very honoured to have a uh, expert in marketing and consum- consumer behaviour, Associate Professor uh, Park Thaishon, um, on the changing of the CEO and the board of directors and the strategies around Woolworths and what has gone on after the CEO stood down, uh, Brad Bandushi, um, and announced his retirement amid ongoing allegations of price gouging and unfair practices. It hasn't been a good look. Uh, the cost of living crisis is front and centre of everybody's minds. And we thought we'd talk with um, Professor this morning. How are you, uh, Park? Thank you so much for being with us. Uh, quite an thank interesting you so much for, an interesting couple of sorry, weeks, hasn't it? Been quite unbelievable what has gone yeah, on. Yeah,
3: that's right, that's right. And good morning and thank you so much for having me. So there have been internal bullies. There have been quite a few, you know, push back and a uh, bad reputation for months It's actually started since last year since of the higher living cost of crisis in, in you know extensive products egg meals and all that and became much worse when it's hit by the Australian day uh, debate of you know should they remove those Australian day merchandise and all that so it, it has a lot of uh, bad reputation from the customer and from the employee's perspective and i felt like um, they have to come up with some type of strategy, and and obviously being a CEO and all that is they have quite uh, pressure, you know, of that work. And this is one of the strategy which is an exit strategy for a leader to to step down and let someone else be, you know, be uh, take over. So it, it give like a new fresh air, like a detox type of things, or yeah. bad reputation that they have.
0: Well, they've got a dreadful reputation, and, and you're right. Um, the price gouging question has been asked, and, and whether or not the watchdog is actually going to do something is a whole different thing, but I really feel the Australia Day and pulling the Australia Day uh, merchandise from their shelves created enormous outrage and sparked um, the beginning of the end. For the CEO. Yeah. Now, with the supermarket's reputation, there is fundamentally um, been some question marks raised over the way that they operate and how they behave. Now, when something like this happens, Professor, and there is a changing of the board, we saw it with Qantas, and I used that. When Alan Joyce stepped down and we had a new CEO come forth, there was some... um, some reflection and, and they admitted there was some wrong and they look to try and repair some of the services and the damage that they've caused. Is this possible with Woolworths, which is arguably one of the biggest brands like Qantas in this country?
3: Well, the question this is a good question. Uh, the thing is, if they can fix what they have promised, or, or in, in case of Qantas or Woolies, if they know that the price of the product is high, the they don't have enough product range or bad customer service, for example. If they know that they have this problem and if they can fix it in the first few months of you know the new leader or new board of director, it may change the perception of the customer in terms of who's run the show and the perception of you know whether this brand is good or not good. But if they cannot fix those problems, technically customer will be exactly the same. And from the customer perspective, to be honest. They don't really care who runs the show. They don't really care who is the CEO. What they care about is the price of the product. You know, it should stop increasing or it should be lower. What they care about is good customer service. Say, if someone wants to order an online woolies, what they care about is that whether their egg will be broken or not by the time it's delivered yeah, to their house. That's not right. Really who is the it's so, not too much about. They,
0: well, they got that wrong. They did get that wrong. Don't don't get me don't yeah. get it wrong. They got it. They got it completely wrong. Um, with everything that they were doing around, and I mean this around how they were going about with their stray day, but you're right. If there's good service, competitive price, that the things are delivered on time, it changes the yeah. mindset fairly quickly, doesn't it?
3: Yes, yes, exactly, exactly. And that is the same thing to many other trend that we might just see the Virgin CEO just quit the RBA, you know, bosses. Uh, boss last year. So so all of this happened to is a way to fix the mindset of the people and it will only work if they deliver good service right after that. So
0: the, the new CEO coming in, how quickly can that turn around, Professor?
3: I would say if it's going to turn around, it will have to be in the first three to six months. Otherwise, it will be Uh, There will not be any different if they don't have some good strategy and fix on the problem that they have on hand. So for Woolies, what they have to do right now is to make sure to control the price of the essential products, milk, egg, bread, those type of things. And if they were to come up with some strategy like discount or, you know how they have like those, you can buy products and then if you spend $30, you get one point and then you redeem something. If they want to use that strategy to, to grab customers to buy products from Woolies, they should um, have products or promotion that is meaningful for the customer. So it should not be like they can exchange their point for some, say, you know, not useful sticker or not useful figure. But if they can exchange their point for something like useful item for their household that can help with the cost of living or say donation, then that is, would be very good. Yeah.
0: Okay. I, I, I get it completely. So the big thing is they need to re they need to reevaluate how they roll and what they are actually doing, and go from there. Yeah. And that, and that's the that's the biggest thing moving forward. And if they can do that, um, well then they're in a in a much better a much better situation than 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 they've ever been. Correct. Exactly. Yeah. Park, appreciate it. Why are you giving advice to them? Why aren't they bringing you for something?
3: Well, I would say uh, the, the best advice is that keep the price of product low and consistent and try not to come up with a strategy that will backfire themselves like that Australian-day product.
0: Yeah, I agree. I agree 100%. Um, thank you so much uh, for giving us some time this morning. It's always hard when you're looking in. There's no question they got it wrong. There's no question that they got it wrong. Exactly. And the CEO goes down in flames over it. And when you get to these kind of positions and you're making these kind of decisions and they don't have the effect and they go the other way, people power comes in very, very quickly and, and goes from, and goes from zero to a hundred. And he ended up in, in a predicament where it was untenable for him to remain there moving forward. So uh, thank you so much for really giving us some time this morning. Um, I really appreciate you so much for being with the Associate Professor and giving us some insight into what they need to do to turn around and obviously make sure that they are on the front and centre moving forward. Thank you. Thank you. We'll appreciate your time. We'll take a break. Come back. This is Rural Queensland today. Welcome back to Rural Queensland today. John Walters is the CEO of Rural Aid and he joins us this morning. John, good morning. Thank you so much for being with us, mate.
4: Good morning, Ben. Hope you're well.
0: Yeah, unbelievable. Um, Let's talk about the weather. Um, A lot of the state in general has had an enormous amount of rain. So this then possesses a completely different problem for you, doesn't it? And one that um, in a lot of ways I'm really concerned about because – we think to ourselves, okay, um, it's not dry times this time. It's, the, you know, the flooded damage. And and, and and now you look at, well, this is, we're going to have to help people who have had their whole livelihoods destroyed because of the weather.
4: Oh, look, the, the weather's just, um, it, it's just a constant headache, isn't it? And, and what we're seeing is um, these these events, droughts, fires, floods, um, becoming more frequent and more severe. And, and, and what happened in 2023, the back end of that, into to now just absolutely demonstrates it. I remember just uh, a little while ago that you and I were talking about how August, September and October had been the three driest months on record and we're really bracing and gearing up for, a, for a, another um, big and challenging drought. And then next thing you know, it, it starts to rain through the back end of November and it pretty much hasn't stopped since. And as you said, we're now gearing up. We are very much in the midst of supporting people post post um, floods and cyclones.
0: Yeah, and this is it. So, where, where's the attention for rural aid at the moment?
4: Our eyes are focused um, one in the north and, and and helping support those people who um, copped it post um, Jasper. They've got a long, long recovery ahead of them, and and we know that there's a there's a role for rural aid to, to play there. Part of it is. Um, being there from a mental health and wellbeing perspective, we were very active in the lead up to that, just reaching out to people to say, you know what, we, we all know that you've got a challenging time to come, make sure you're okay, and if you're not, pick up the phone and, and talk to Rural Aid. The other part of it is is getting some, some financial help and support to some of those um, impacted um, producers and their families as well. The other part that we're really gearing up for and, and we're bringing our army of volunteers into play here is to Get onto farms um, around that Tara and Miles region in the next couple of months to to help those peoples who were um, lost infrastructure through the bushfires. The bushfires that were, fires, were, yeah. yeah, absolutely. To give them a bit of a bit of a hand up. Um, there's jobs that they need um, done, and if we can bring in some volunteers to help with that work, um, that's what we'll do. So um, in the in the next couple of months, we will be in both of those regions um, um, doing some really practical hands on work.
0: Yeah, and a very, very important time as well. Um, there's a big lunch taking place in Brisbane um, that's a massive fundraising lunch, and a lot of this goes from donations, but more importantly, like there's a lot, you, you know, these kind of lunches are about trying to raise as much possible money as as you possibly can. That that, that takes place on the 22nd of March.
4: It does, Dobbo, and it's in Brisbane, and it really is, um, Rural Aid bringing the agribusiness sector together. Um, those well-known, um, um, property agents, the well-known banking firms, our legal su- supporters to the industry, our meat processors, our pastoral companies. Again, bringing all those, those really important businesses together. Um, because I guess Rural Aid at the end of the day, um, the work that we do is they're supporting their customer base. So, um, when they support us, they, we, we can then support the, the, the farming community and those individual um, farmers. So the whole um, purpose is, as you said, is to, to try and raise as many dollars as we can for rural aid so we can continue to do our work, but also to do it in the context of having a little bit of fun and a bit of a lighter afternoon together, but with a really good cause at the heart of it all.
0: Yeah, and that's the that's the biggest thing as well. Um, it, it, it's so important that people understand what are you looking for when you talk to our own what what do you want from people within what i want from
4: people within to recognize that agriculture has its ups and downs but it also has those moments where there are a few dollars floating around so maybe taking some of those dollars in a good time and putting it back into an organization like Aid, so we can be there to help those other people who, who've had a bit of a challenging time because we know not everyone has that that um that's that bright, happy time, or the one at one moment. So that's that really important farmers supporting farmers and doing it through an organisation like Rural Aid, because when those big, big drought events and those really big um, other challenges come along, from a Rural Aid perspective, we're not necessarily going to be asking those same businesses to be the supporters. We're going to ask the wider community and those other businesses, be it a Qantas or be it some of those other big corporations. Maybe that's their turn then to, to provide that help and support. But um, farmers have a role of supporting farmers, and Rural Aid can be that organisation that does it.
0: Well, it's the most trusted rural charity, and you stand with farmers, and that and that is time and time again. We've seen it. We know it. We know what you do, and people can get in touch. It's very simple to get in touch. Um, you know, ruralaid.org.au. It's it, it's it's as simple as that, and people. We have to look after our own, and I mean that. Like, that's the big thing that I try to find. I, I try to find that it's all right for us all to look outside, but if we don't look after each other, we've got nothing. And your programs are well-documented. There's easy ways to donate. There's just so many ways to donate, and you're always looking. Now, there, there's these lunches and there's so much, but I implore people to go to ruralaid.org.au. It's all there. John... Thanks so much for being with us this morning, as usual, mate. Just outstanding. And we really appreciate everything you're doing. Um, It's just Ah. a great message to raise and also to make sure that everybody's across it.
4: Thanks so much, Dobbo. And we can't do what we do without people like yourself um, absolutely being champions of the organisation. And we're, we're very grateful for that as well. Thank you, mate.
0: Good on you. We'll take a break, come back. This is Rural Queensland today on the Resonate Broadcast Network. We really appreciate your time this morning. Thank you, mate. That's it from us here this morning at Rural Queensland Today. I hope you've enjoyed the show. We're back same time, same place tomorrow. Have a great day and remember when the wheat is ripe, keep the headers rolling in the paddock. We'll be back again tomorrow morning from 9am. Our guest tomorrow is a standalone show and you will not believe it. David Connolly. Yep, he'll be joining us tomorrow on Rural Queensland Today. Bill McDonald joins you next. Have a great day. Till next time. It's bye for now.